Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Are you happy to be here this morning? I know it's very hot, and I literally pray that God will give you some coolness of heart this morning, but that your heart will be on fire for Jesus. And I just want to say thank you, Henning. Like you say, Pastor Henning and Salome, you're such a blessing to us. We love you. And it's lovely to be friends in Jesus. And when we get together like this, we're friends. We can talk frankly. And... Um, I always feel like we're coming home when we walk in here. So thank you for that. And it's lovely to have my handsome darling and my other love of my life here with us this morning. I trust God with his word. I really trust him with his word this morning. So let's just close our eyes. Father God, thank you that your word has the power to change our lives this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We make our hearts receptive to receive from you. Thank you that you will give us wisdom. Thank you that there's healing in these words. Thank you that the promise is that we are going to be transformed from glory to glory. And thank you that our lives will never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, we praise you, Father. We love you, Lord. And thank you for Jesus. Amen. So, family, I know that you've been doing a series on Designed For. I think it was designed for God's glory, for faith, to live in his joy, and to listen to his voice. And this morning, it is my privilege to share with you that we are designed to live established in God's grace. And I want to start with this scripture from Colossians 1 verse 16. It's Paul that's speaking here. He says, for by him... He's talking about Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created. Now, interesting, this word created is the Greek word katizo, which means all things were formed, they were shaped, and they were designed. And that is why this is the perfect scripture for us to begin with. He says everything that's in heaven, everything that's on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Now, what does God say? What is Paul saying here when he says we have been created? We have been designed. It means we were planned in detail for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose, I believe, is to live in the grace of God. Because grace... God knew, and this is actually where my heart is in this, that there's a power released within a heart that's established in God's grace. Okay, because what does it mean to be established? It means to be set up on a firm and a permanent basis. Now, I have very a lot of... Um, what's it now? I want to honor Henny and, them and the team here for setting up for us on a Sunday for you guys, because we know all that's hard work. But so they come in every time and they set up the stage, they set up the music, they do everything, it's a big job. But this is not how God wants us to live. He wants us to be permanently set up. It's a fixed place. This is my position, this is my starting place in my life. So it's not a Sunday thing, it's not a Sunday thing, it is, doesn't matter where I am who I am, what I'm doing. So in my own words, I want to say it like that. To be established in God's grace means that I'm at the place 
with my relationship with the Lord, with my walk with God, that it cannot be shaken. This was the word actually the Lord gave me when COVID started. And I got these words, I always say to myself, nothing in this life will faze me. Not even what's happening in the Ukraine. Nothing will faze us because we established, we fixed in this position of God's grace. Let's go to Hebrews 13 verse 9 in the Amplified. This is how he explained it. He says, do not be carried about by different and varied and alien teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established and ennobled and strengthened by means of grace. What is grace? God's favor and spiritual blessing, and not to be devoted to foods, which is rules of diet and ritualistic meals, which brings no spiritual benefit or profit to those who observe them. So the writer is saying, yeah, it's good for my heart. What does this mean? What is my heart? It's not just a blood pumping organ. My heart is literally where life starts. This is where life starts. I actually create everything in my heart. Everything that I believe actually will create my life because it starts in my heart. And in our heart, it is good for us to be established in God's grace, he said, in his favor and in his spiritual blessings. And not in law, not in the traditions of my country, not in what people tell me that what I am, not in anything, any other thing, but just the grace of God. Now, why does the writer say this? He says, because established in the law will not profit us, which tells me that to be established in grace will profit us. God designed us for profit, friends. Okay, let's look at the word grace. For me, the grace of God is simply that the love of God had for the whole world. Grace equals Jesus. Grace is everything who Jesus is. So I'm established in this. Then he said, he goes on, he said, I am ennobled. You know what this means? We have received a rank of nobility. We have a rank. We're sons and daughters of the king. That's who we are. And then he says, we strengthen. And how are we strengthened? By means of grace. And we're going to look at this a little bit. I want to show this to you in Ephesians 3. Let's go to Ephesians 3. I think we're going to start in verse 16. I'm just laying a foundation, and then we'll go and we'll unpack this. Ephesians 3 verse 16, Paul is praying, and he's praying to the people of Ephesus, but also to us. He says that God will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit. Friends, sorry, the heat is getting to me. Thank you, Lord. Um, how does he say we're going to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit? Uh, Acts 1 verse 8. And you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes over you. So God never asked us to try and live by ourselves. He did not ask us to try and live for him. He has designed us to let him live through us. It's easy. Even though we live in a broken world, it's easy because God of the universe came to live on the inside of us and we must let him live through us. So the key to all victory in the life of a Christian, of a believer, is to let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you because this is my source of power. The Holy Spirit is my power. Then verse 17, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. How does God, Christ live in our hearts? Through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love, this is the same thing being established in grace, it means rooted and grounded in love. So Paul is saying that to be established in grace, our hearts need to be rooted and grounded in love. So what is the foundation of your life? It's God's love for you. That's where it starts. And what is my heart is my inner being. So God's modus operandi is love. If it doesn't look like the love of God, like what's happening in Ukraine, it's not God. We've got the security and the surety that everything that's bad is not God. God is not making people sick to get their attention. He healed them. Why? Because he loves them. He's not judging you. He placed all judgment on Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. He does not remove anything or anybody from our lives. He adds to our lives. He's given us all his blessings. He's given us his healing. Why? Because he loves you. We were created in love, through love, for love, to love. This is the basic life of a believer. That is why we cannot but even love the people that comes against us because there's a greater purpose for that. In verse 18, he says this, all of this so that I may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. If I don't understand this, Paul is saying, we have to understand this love. This love needs to come alive in our hearts, and then listen what will happen to us. Verse 19, I will be filled. It means I will be abundantly supplied with the fullness of God. Fullness is the Greek word pleroma. It means to be filled with the power, the presence, and the riches of God. This is the fullness that we have received in Jesus. His power, his presence, and the riches of God. And I don't know about you, but I love the fact that God is with me that his presence go with us wherever we go. Then verse 20 comes the promise. Then he, God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. I love the Bible. I love our God because it's never above, above this. It's above all. And I think if we look in the Greek, all is all. What does he say? According to the power that works in us. And I want to submit to you this morning, this power working in us is to be established in the grace of God. And then verse 21 tells us why all these things are happening, to bring God glory. Everything that you are, everything that you've received is to bring him glory. And that is why if we are sick, if we live broken and depressed, it doesn't bring God glory. And I'm not putting judgment on anybody. But that should be like a, a tick to us in our spirits to know this is not what God wants for me. He wants me to be, live in this fullness, this power, these riches that he's given us. Now, I want to tell you a story this morning about three men and an apple orchard. And I want to paint with this story, sorry, a picture of what it looks like to be established in God's grace. And I think I might have to maybe read it to you, but I'm going to try my best. So once upon a time, there were a man. While walking a long day, he walked through a country lane, 
and he noticed an apple orchard on his left. And he saw this huge big tree in the center of the orchard. And he walked up to it. He actually realized that he was very tired at that moment and also very hungry. So he chose this big apple tree in the center and lay down in the lush green grass to have a little bit of a sleep. And what seemed to him like just a few minutes of dozing, he was rudely awakened when an apple fell on his head, hitting him. But as his mind cleared, he realized that he was actually quite hungry. Now, I want you to, while I read the story to you, picture yourself in the story. And I want you to see where you fit in. Grateful for the ready food. He picked up the apple, leaned back against the bark of the tree, and enjoyed the apple. But right in the middle of his second bite of this crisp apple, he noticed another man standing there close to him, looking up into the tree. And he said, sir, what are you doing? And without taking his eyes off the branches above, this man number two, I'm not going to call him man number two, he answered man number one, he says, I'm waiting for the tree to give me an apple. The man in the ground was like, he took another bite, but he couldn't understand what this guy was saying. He said, sir, the branches are not high. Why don't you just reach out and pick one? And after another pause, again, this man number two, without looking away, he was standing like this, looking up at the tree. He said, I am not worthy to receive apple from this tree. So I'm just going to be patient until the tree decides to give me some of its food. So this man did not appear anxious to talk any further. So the first man, number one, just went back to his apple. But the next thing, a third man came walking through the orchard, but he was walking on purpose. He was in a hurry. This guy sitting there on the ground watching this guy, this guy was coming with his feet. The third man came directly to the same tree. He uttered a polite greeting. You know that when someone greets you, but they actually don't have time to talk to you. That's exactly how this guy was. He didn't want to be rude. And he reached up to a low branch and he actually picked an apple. He examined it, he looked at it, and, and it was like he was happy with this. So he picked a second one. And he turned and he started to walk away. And this man number one said, so why the hurry, sir? Please come and sit with me. It's such a pleasant day. Come and enjoy your apples. But without even turning to man number one, number three kept on walking in a hurry. And he was actually talking to man number one over his shoulder. And he said, this apple, one of them is not for me. It's for my son. My son is very sick. And I've heard about this apple tree, that this is the finest tree in the whole orchard. And that if I bring this to my son, it will bring him nourishment and it will heal him. So good day to you, sir. And off he went. Now there's a few lessons that we can learn from these three men. And I want to say the lessons that we learn from man number one is he fell, is it remember the one that fell asleep and the apple hit him on the head? And this is exactly what being established in grace will do for us. It will open our eyes to see God's provision, which is his rest, which is his food, which is everything that you and I need. We will open our eyes. This man saw the apple orchard 
and he used it to his advantage. And then one thing that being established in God's grace, it will make us grateful. It will make us thankful. This man, remember he said he was grateful for the apple that fell on his head. And another thing, we will always have an expectation of good from God. Because when you are established in his grace, in who he is, you will be expectant. So God's favor will provide when I need it, what I need, anywhere, anytime, any place. Isn't that just awesome? And you know what also, friends, we get to rest in the promises of God, enjoying, this is what I love, the fruit of his labor. Because his grace is a given. It's never something that you and I have to work for. This man, number one, was such a beautiful picture. He didn't go sit under the tree and was all stressed because he's tired. He simply sat back and rested and fell asleep. And the next moment, it's what you expect will actually happen to you. And then we've had lessons from man number two. This is the one who just kept looking at the branches waiting to receive from the tree. And this is definitely someone that was not established in the grace of God. I'm sure you all agreed on that. He felt unworthy. When our hearts are not established in grace, we will feel unworthy to receive from God. Because man number two said, I'm not worthy. And that is talking to me about identity. What also happened to this guy, you will look at the blessings of God, but you'll never enjoy them. That's exactly, he kept looking at the tree, but he never enjoyed it. In other words, I will miss out in life. I will live a frustrated and a sad life. And also a very bad thing, it will make me passive. Because he just wasted all that time under the beautiful apple tree, looking at the tree, not eating its fruit, not enjoying it, not the rest, not the coolness, nothing. There will be no growth and there will be no fruit. Then lesson from man number three. This guy, remember, he came walking very fast. He was in a hurry. Picked two apples and he left. It means you and I will live with a purpose, on purpose. So every day in my life, I don't, won't have bad Mondays anymore. And I won't say, thank God, it's Friday anymore. Because every moment of my life, I will live on purpose, for a purpose. Because we have been called. I will seek out the tree of life. This is what this man got. He knew exactly where he was going to. He knew this was the tree of life, Jesus, who's already prepared the healing and the nourishment for his son. I will waste no time. I love this. This is how children of God we live in. Guys, we waste no time. We don't sit around talking and feeling depressed and sad about our lives. We waste no time. There is so much fruit to pick from this tree of life. And I'm passionate to share with others what I've received. This guy was such a beautiful, he could not wait to get that apple to his son. And he also believed that there's always more. It's interesting, I got the picture that the Lord showed me. He didn't take a bag full of apples because he knew he could come back. He could come back anytime. He's welcome. The tree is there waiting. Just like Jesus, the tree of life is waiting for us. And then, the best part, I will bring healing to others. When we live like man number three, we will bring healing to others because we will realize what we have received. So an established heart will believe in the first place. I'm sorry. They are accepted. Ephesians 1 
verse 6. Paul is saying, we have been accepted in the beloved. To the praise of the glory of his grace, we have been made accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in God's Son, Jesus, not by anything that we have done. That is why God is hope for us, because it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter that you shouted at someone. It doesn't matter that I told a bad tale about someone or whatever I did yesterday. I can know that I know that I know that I'm accepted in Jesus. I want you to know this this morning, because if we know that we accept it, it opens up our hearts to receive from him. Listen to what Paul says. First Timothy 1.15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners who I am chief. Now, I want to remind you what type of man Paul was. He murdered many Christians. Have you murdered many Christians? No. He has. And still he says, I was a chief sinner. But God's grace changed him. Paul is acknowledging, it's a good thing to acknowledge. This is what changed our lives when he said, I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm going to go again. Jesus took one of the worst persecutors of the church and he showed, showed publicly to the world what he is willing to do for a murderer, he died on a cross. So nothing that you and I have done can be so bad that God will never say, I love you, I accept you, you are mine. In the second place, the established heart will let you see past your circumstances. Now man number three saw past his circumstances. There was something that happened in his heart. Because faith comes by hearing. I am so sure he heard about Jesus from someone. He heard the word. He heard that Jesus is healing, just like Pastor Henry was saying this morning. And that is why he couldn't wait to get the, to the tree of life. This is the more we hear, the more expectant we will be. And Jesus did the same. Jesus saw past his circumstances. I'll just remind you and tell you about the story in Matthew 14. Remember, this is when Jesus fed 5,000. And we know what happened the day he was teaching all day to a lot of people sitting there in front of him. 5,000 men, that was without the women and the children. And he then the disciples came and said, it's late in the day. Please just send them home. The people are hungry. And he said, no, you feed them. That was his first response. He didn't go, <laughs> no, he didn't. He said, you feed them. And then we know what happened. A little boy came and he gave his lunch, two, loaves and five, uh, two fishes and five loaves. What did Jesus say? He said, bring the food to me. And when they brought the food to him, he looked up and he gave thanks. And interesting, then he gave the food to the disciples, and the disciples gave the food to the people. And in that giving, that is where the miracle happened. And then it says, everybody ate, and there were 12 baskets of leftovers. There's a lot of thanks and giving that happened that day, friends. Jesus looked past the circumstances. You and I can also look past our circumstances, I know because I know what my life was like, very broken. I always say I think I was the most broken person there was until the age of 50 because I did not believe this. 
It wasn't my revelation. I thought God was angry with me. I thought that everything that I did was wrong. It, I always said it felt like guilty was written on my forehead. I just could never do anything to please him until I learned about the grace of God, until I really got to get to know Jesus, and it simply changed my life. We can thank God in advance before we see the manifestation, the same way that, thank you for that word this morning, about for the Ukraine people, exactly that. That is why today we can stand in this place of thanksgiving. We can give God glory because we believe there will be an outcome. We believe that families will be saved. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it sounds like. But let's keep our focus. This is what Jesus did. He did not look at the 5,000 people plus in front of him. He looked at his father. And he saw his father. And he knew that he's going to come through. He knew. And that is why he said thanks. That is why he gave. That is why they gave. In the third place, an established heart will keep their mind on Jesus. This is, it actually goes in line with what we just were talking about. My mind is stayed on Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, I will live in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on God. So man number one. He's a lovely example for me. His mind was just stayed on Jesus all the time. Now, mind is the Hebrew word yetzer, which is talking about conception and imagination. Now, interesting that I never thought about this scripture like that, but it shows you. So he is saying you will live in perfect peace while your imagination, your place of conception is focused on him. Now, my imagination, what is that? It's actually the birthplace of my life in abundance. This is where I think my life. My imagination is where I create what I want to see. You know what Albert Einstein said? He said, your imagination is your preview of life's coming attractions. And child of God, I want to ask you this morning, what do you want to see? Do you want to see a happy marriage? Do you want to see happy children? Do you want to see your body healthy and whole? What do you want to see? Because when your imagination is stayed on God, you will receive what you see. Now, what we do this, when we take our imagination, our mind, and we mix it with excitement or expectation, that will destroy any obstacle in your life. And this is what's so wonderful about being a child of God. Even though we hear the saddest news, and I tell you what, in the past seven months, I had more sad news that I could deal with physically. But I put my imagination and my excitement, my expectation together to see this picture because sometimes we read John 10, 10 about the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, and we stop there because it's so overwhelming. I mean, my cousin passed away three weeks ago. She just, she's just gone. She wasn't even sick. Just like that, 50 years old, just 51 or something. Ridiculous. I tell you what, it shakes you in your bones to realize just like that. 
you know, while I was angry, I was driving on my way to fetch Kiara at school, and what I said, I said, devil, you're a you are such a weakling. I'm so angry with you because you got her all by herself. She was alone. But she wasn't alone. God was with her. But the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But when you and I take this gift that God gave us, imagine what you want your life to be like. See it in your minds, in the heart of your mind. See it. Expect it. And then you will. That's what faith is. That is basically what faith is. And you know what God promises us? That when we keep our mind on him, we will create and do the same works than what Jesus did. Why don't we see the same works so much anymore? We live in a time, and I believe that God is talking to people personally this morning. Have an expectation. It doesn't matter how old you are what race you are, what family you come from. God's the same with all of us. That's what he says. And then our man number two, the one that just kept looking up. He's a beautiful picture for me. The opposite of an established heart that says no to offense. I can talk to about offense for a long time because offense kills. This guy must have been, he might have been offended by God just like I was most of my life, not thinking that God will actually bless him or that he's allowed to eat from this tree. Nobody gave him permission. Offense. If we go to Luke 17, verse 1 to 4, Jesus speaks about offense. Listen what he says. He says, He said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. But I want to say it like that. If you give it or if you receive it, it's the same thing. It's bad. It really is. So the Lord said, he said, it will be better for a guy or a woman like that that a millstone will be put around their neck and they're thrown in the sea. He says, if someone offends you, forgive them. And if he comes back the same day, forgive him again. Seven times 70. Just keep on forgiving. And I think also with offense, if I take offense, because I always say, I got the word from the Lord. Offense is never given. It's taken. Because offense will come. So you can say yes or you can say no. And that is what happened in so many churches. People get offended about the word. That's true. People can get offended about the word. We can offend it by so many things in a day. I mean, we've got choices. We can make a choice to be offended. You know what is the Greek word? Offense is the Greek word scandalon. And that means a trap, a snare, or a stumbling block. Now, offense will literally trap you in one place like that guy, just standing like that. It's a snare. It's a stumbling block. You're going to fall over it. It's going to kill you. It's going to hurt you. It's got the power to really, really hurt your life, to steal your life from you if you are uh, uh, offended. And it also means that we won't be able to move forward. That guy didn't go from looking to receiving because he was offended. And it will keep you stuck. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be stuck. I want to grow in this glory that God has given us. Now we know we've got a devil, a devourer, who seeks whom he can destroy. He's only seeking. He will always be looking. 
to see who he can find. And that's why offense, he loves to bring offense to us. Deal with it. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's not going to do anything with me. I just say no. Offense is taken. It's my choice how you and I will respond when offense comes. And I think this is in my life, especially, oh, I was so insecure that someone could just look at me and I'll be offended. You know, people can literally not greet you maybe and you're like, oh, they must be angry. You know, what have I done? Let's get rid of offense, especially in our churches. There's no place for it. Then the fifth one, established heart knows they have an inheritance. Ephesians 1.11. In Christ we have received an inheritance. And I think we've obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. If I think about our inheritance... Um, basically, it is the goodness of Jesus. It is everything that Jesus is. It is this life in abundance. So God has designed you and I to be established in his grace so that we can prosper in life. And I'm going to end off with this. So that we can prosper in life. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. What does he say? in all things, and be in health, just as your soul prospers. I want to ask you this morning, do you know what's God's will for your life? He wants you to prosper. And He wants you to be healthy. That's His will for us. He loves us so much. Now, prosper is the Greek word yuhudu, which means to succeed in business affairs, which means to be successful in life. I want that. To have a prosperous journey and also financial prosperity. But he's talking about in all areas of our lives. Then health is the Greek word hugiainu, which means to be healthy, to be safe, and to be whole. God wants you to be healthy, to be safe, and to be whole. What a great truth is this, friends. It's literally showing us God's heart for us. God himself is the inspiration behind these words. This is God's heart for you this morning. He wants you to prosper in all things and be healthy. Now notice something. How does it end? We forget that as well, just as your soul prospers. And I'm going to end with this. You can't prosper outwardly if you're not prospering inwardly. We said in the beginning, my heart is where my life starts. Now, we know on the inside, my spirit is just like Jesus. But I have a soul, and my health, my prosperity is dependent on the prosperity of my soul. Greg Fritz said it at the beginning of the year, he says, transformation occurs when a believer becomes on the outside what they're on the inside. Okay, so we want to become on the outside what we are on the inside. Because you know what? People are drawn to people who are successful. People are drawn to people who are happy and healthy and whole. You can see they've got life sorted. But it's, it is our work. So what is my soul? It's my mind and my will and my emotions. I just want to touch on it quickly. I know you're all very hot. And I'm even battling to speak. Thank you, Lord. But... This is talking, the soul is talking about my inner being. 
This is who I am. It's my whole person in the flesh. And my soul is my responsibility. Now, what do you and I have to do so that our souls will prosper? This is good news. For me, it was the best news. Because that man that meant that my broken life, I could do something to change that. You can do something. So we're going to do the how-to quickly. What is the first part of my soul is my mind. We know Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That means that my thinking creates my life. My thoughts has power in my life. What is my heart? As you think in your heart, do you know that the other word for heart is mind? So as you think in your heart, as you think in your mind, that is what your life is going to be like. Then Paul tells us how to change this, Romans 12, 2. He says, do not be conformed. This means don't look like them. That's all I can say to you. Don't look like them. Don't look like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see, we can be proof of God's will. Thank you so much. We can be proof of God's will. We are called to be a picture of what God wants for people in this world. And this uh, transformed, I'm sure you all know this word, is a Greek word, metamorpho. It's talking about, it's like our word metamorphosis. It's talking about complete transformation. A caterpillar to a butterfly. So this is what you and I are going to happen with us when we renew our minds. We're not going to look like the caterpillar who just jumps, jumps, and irritates people. We're going to be like the beautiful butterfly, okay? When we bring our thoughts in line with God's word, that is going to transform us. That is what's going to be this change. However, God never wanted us just to be an inside. I'm going back on this now. He wants us to be changed in our physical lives as well. You know what he called us to be? To be the light in the world. You cannot be a light in the world. I couldn't. I loved the Lord since I was this big. I loved him with all my heart, but nobody could see it in my life. I was so broken. In other words, I had to do something. When I started doing Bible school, started renewing my mind with the word, it completely changed me. And you know that this unsteer clock, because you cannot keep on the in- outside what's on the inside. It's got to come out, okay? What Paul is saying here, that if we fail to renew our minds, We'll never live this life in abundance that Jesus gave us. If, because if I keep on thinking what the world is thinking, I'm going to live what the world is living. Okay? So I'm going to think about what God thinks about. I think the picture I got yesterday, it was my post as well, to me immersed in the life of God. I had the picture God gave me with I having a coffee and a rusk in the mornings. I love my coffee in the morning. And I dip my rusk in, and my rusk tastes like coffee then, with nuts and all the nice things that's in my rusk. And this is exactly what we need to do. God's word is our cup of coffee, and we are the rusk, and we immerse ourselves in God Almighty, and then that change will come. Now, Old Testament Gideon, interesting, and you were talking about him this morning. He had to change his mind about himself. But he also had to change his mind about God. Judges 6 verse 12, the angel came. Remember there was an angel that came and sat by a tree? And then he said to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty man. 
of fearless courage. I couldn't remember what translation that is. But anyway, and then the King James says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Now, valor is the Hebrew word kahil. He says, You are a mighty man of an army, of wealth, of strength, of ability, of efficiency, of might. That is what God spoke over Gideon. This was a greeting from the Lord. Why did God greet Gideon like that? Because that's how God was seeing him. God was looking at him. He was seeing, you're a mighty man. You are, you've got strength. You've got power. All these things. But Gideon didn't see it like that. Then in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this your might. Remember, he's a mighty man. And you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Now, the Lord is saying two things to Gideon here, but he's saying it to us this morning. Okay? He says, go and live through this power that is alive on the inside of you. He's saying to you that you will be the one who will save your loved ones. You will be the one who will save your country. You will be the one who will save your friends, your fellow believer. Why? Because I have sent you. Remember Jesus said, Jesus sent us. Yes, because I have sent you. I have sent you because you're carrying someone's miracle in your heart today. I have sent you to love people. I have sent you to tell them about me. I have sent you. And then let us listen to what Gideon answered. Verse 15. This, is so, this was little old me. It's not me anymore. Oh Lord, how will I be able to save Israel? My family is the poorest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Isn't this typical? I'm the poorest. I can't help anybody. I can't bless. It sounded very familiar to me, but not for today anymore. The only way that we will be able to do what the Lord told him to do is to believe what God told you. We have to believe that we're mighty, that we're powerful, not because of who we are, but because of who God is in us. And then I want to leave you with this about our minds. The Lord said to Gideon in verse 16, I will be with you, and you will smite the Midianites as one man. God is saying to us this morning, I will be with you. He said, you will smite that problem. You will smite that he lack, that healing problem, that health problem. We have the power on the inside of us to fight it. Quickly, the second part of my soul is my will. So how, what can we do? Actually live prosperous as what God's will is for us. My will is the, is the uh, ability to make life cho choices. My will operates through the choices that I make. I love what Frank Sinatra, everybody you, but I love this example where he said, I do it my way. And I don't know about you, saints. I don't want to do it my way. Because my way is not the proper way. I want to do it God's way. Because this is the prosperous way. And the very well-known uh, scriptures, Deuteronomy 30, 19, where God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he tells us what to do. He said, choose life. Choose life. So that you and your descendants can live. I love how God is so practical with us. He says, choose life. 
You know, that means 32,000 conscious decisions a day. Choose life. He says, because if you choose life, you're going to live. And your family, your children, their children's children is going to live. You know, and we can learn from Jesus about this. Jesus said in John 38, he said, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of my Father, because he sent me. Jesus, Jesus the Word is God's will for us this morning. He is his will. Jesus, remember, he brought heaven down. Heaven, he brought heaven down. Heaven is a reality for us here today. So the ultimate choice that you will always have in life, choose life. Just choose life. And then we close off with the third part. And I love this part because I think our emotions is the third part of my song. And I think most of us can write books about our emotions. It was about three years ago that the Lord gave me a word about my emotions. And he said, Dalian, I gave you emotions so that they would be your crown, that they would not be your cross. And what is our crown emotions? Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, long-suffering, which is patience. It's a, it's a, it's a fruit, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you know that God gave us emotions to be a blessing in our lives, but also to be a blessing in other lives? So our emotions can either be our crown or our cross. I just want to share the scripture here in Proverbs 16.32. It says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, then he who takes the city. Now, interesting, this spirit is not talking about our Jesus spirit. It's talking about the seat of our emotions. Do you know what they describe this as? As the energy of my life. It's also talking about my mental attitude. So that is how powerful our emotion is. So he who rules his spirit, the seat of his emotions, is better than someone who takes a whole city. That is how powerful our emotions are. That is how, so I and you and I are conquerors when we control our emotions. Just note here, it doesn't say that we, we shouldn't get angry. We don't have emotions. God gave us, Jesus got angry, but he never sinned. Jesus was happy. Jesus was sad, but he never sinned. And that is why we refer back to Galatians 5. Because that is what we learned, what is the emotions that God gave us. So there's a proper place for anger as well. But God is saying, use your emotions to bless you. Because my emotions will in the first place bless me. And then my emotions will bless others. Isn't that just amazing? And then Jesus tells us we're going to end up with this. How are we going to do that? John 5, 15, 5. He says, I'm the vine. He the branches. He is in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. But you know what? They were still without him. We are not without him. He came to live on the inside of us. 
He's alive on the inside of us. And when that word dwell is also to make it your, to make it your home. It's, it's my place. That's where I live. Jesus is where we live. And the Lord reminded me just before we started about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I want us to keep this word in our hearts this morning. Remember, Mary was a very young girl when the angel appeared to her and told her she's going to bring the Savior of the world into the, into the world. And I can only imagine, she wasn't married to Joseph. Oh, I could have done a pity party at that moment and be completely overwhelmed by the news that she received. But our scripture to end with this morning is Luke one thirty-eight, where Mary said, no, that's fine. That's okay. I'm gonna, I, I'll just say it to you. She said, on all of that, after everything that the angel told it, she said, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Child of God, let it be to you, for you, with you, according to God's word. You are the blessed of the Lord this morning. He calls you healed. He calls you prosperous. You know, God calls us prosperous so that we can be a prosper for others as well. So thank you, Father. I hope you have a good picture of what a heart looks like, being established in who Jesus is. Because we were designed, because the moment that we live outside his grace, life will be very tough. So God bless you as we receive this morning this word. Oh, thank you, Father. We just want to say thank you. God, thank you for your grace. You're so faithful. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. I see you rising up, men and women, today with a courage and a boldness that just like Gideon, we are able to kill the Midianites, the enemy, with the word of God, with the name of Jesus, with everything that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that you've equipped us. Thank you right now at this moment that people are receiving their healing. Thank you for healing of hearts this morning. Thank you that you are reminding us that yesterday does not matter, that it's a total new beginning. Thank you that you called us. Thank you that each and everybody here is called for the Lord. I just want to, the Lord is just saying to you, I love you, my child. He's saying to you this morning, I've accepted you. He says, you are amazing. And to someone, he says, you are so beautiful. Look at yourself today. Just look at yourself and tell yourself, you are beautiful. And it is my love that is making you so beautiful. I'm painting you with my love. I'm painting you today with my grace. And God is calling businessmen to rise up in this congregation. And we say thank you, Father, for a big worship team on this stage. We call it forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that this congregation is blessed and healed and whole. Thank you that you love us. Father, it's not by us, but it's all by your Spirit. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we say, Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Danke, Talien. Isn't it a, amazing to hear a word that is, is alive in our hearts, to be established? Um, such an amazing word. Thank you, Talien. And um, I want to I encourage you this week to change the way we think in how God has created us to be. Sometimes the world limits us to who we are in Christ. And that's why we wanted to do this series, and we're ending with it today, to you are designed to live in His glory, to have faith, to hear His voice, to have joy, to win in life and to be established in grace. And if you miss this, you miss that you're establishing grace, you will always live a life of law. And it's not life-giving. The Israelites proved it in the desert. <laughs> and Jesus came and proved that we are establishing grace. And as Dalian said, thank you, Dalian. Thank you for a life-giving word. Um, can we stand together quickly? I want to just also close. If you here for the, uh, if you here this morning, can we just close our eyes and and you feel that Lord, I need to be established in this. I need to change my mind on how I see myself. I just want to pray again. I know Dalian has already prayed for it, but I want to pray for you. So maybe you can just put your hand on your heart this morning. Father, I thank you that. You are changing our perspective on how we see ourselves and who we are in this life. That we will not be limited by the worldly mindsets and how we have to do things, but that you will take the limit off today. And that we will see your goodness, your greatness, your glory in our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.